Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you today for guiding and inspiring the Apostle Peter to write this letter. And so we pray now for the Holy Spirit to work in us as we listen to what is being said. Help us to hear your voice to us clearly and help us please to take on board the lessons from your word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day we have hoped for is nearly upon us. For many of us, we've had to uh, patiently endure far, far too long. But brothers and sisters, we now only have a few more hours until the hairdressers are open. So who here is desperate for a haircut? Yes, it was a similar score this morning as well. Are you booked? Yes, definitely. Well, I hope that uh, next Sunday, it's my great hope that I can come back into church and look a little bit more normal. If you think I do look normal at all. Um, it's been four long months for me and for you. We've had to uh, wait and it's been painful, hasn't it? Each and every morning as we look at ourselves in the bathroom mirror and just have to say, seriously? Well, tomorrow, tomorrow is the day, isn't it? The country moves into another stage of easing lockdown restrictions. And if it's not the uh, hairdresser that you've been hoping uh, to, to, to get to, it might otherwise be the opening of the gym. It might be the chance of a, uh, a quick beer in the beer garden. And then, if we don't all go too silly over the next few weeks and months, then our hopes become focused, don't they, on that date of 21st of June, when it's hoped that all, all restrictions will then be lifted in England. And I do hope so, because I've got tickets to a couple of England games in July. Well, this waiting, this waiting has been hard, and for many people, these restrictions have been very, very, very serious. There's been the permanent loss, perhaps, of a job. It's certainly been hard not being able to properly meet and greet certain friends and family, but this pain of loss and suffering may soon be over, and I certainly rejoice in this hope, and I'm sure you do too. But this morning, I really want to speak to you of a different type of hope, a hope which is given to all followers of Jesus Christ, a hope that is described by the Apostle Peter as a living hope, a living hope. Did you hear those words in uh, chapter 1 and verse 3? He writes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope. And how do, we, how do we get this living hope? Look again at that verse. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And wh what is this living hope? It's to an inheritance, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, for me. 
When my father died in 2012, there was no inheritance for anyone in the family. He had no money in any bank account to his name, and uh, we didn't need to even do probate for him. You see, if you don't know, for many, many years, his pension had gone straight to the nursing home where he needed to be for the care he needed. So when he died, all the family, we, were all, knew, we all knew this was going to happen. Um, there was nothing, there was going to be nothing, nothing available. The house, you see, had already been signed over to my mother. Now, I told that story to one of my work colleagues at the time, who just looked absolutely mortified for me. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear this. But this was expected by all of us in the family. We all knew. And we had all accepted for many, many years, it was far more important for my father to get the care he needed whilst he was alive, far more important than to worry about the family sharing an inheritance once he had died. Now, for the Christian, there is a certain inheritance awaiting us. And that's an inheritance which is greater in value, greater in importance than anything money could possibly get us whilst we're here on earth. Today, what, what, what a great and wonderful promise we have, which should make our hearts rejoice, even though, as Peter says in verse 6, now, for just a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. If you know this letter, suffering and hope are two great themes in what Peter writes about. And we all know that even, even if we didn't have COVID-19, life can indeed be tough. Indeed, life is full of all different kinds of trials. For anyone who follows the Lord Jesus, life is not lived on easy street. Nowhere in the Bible are Christians promised that they will escape the struggles and difficulties which are common to all of humanity. Now, this pandemic may well indeed dominate now, but poverty still remains in this world, as well as other diseases which might get us. Christians are not immune from broken relationships, and no one is immune from death. It always hurts, doesn't it, as we mourn when someone we love passes away. Suffering is a way of life for the Christian. Indeed, Jesus himself warned that anyone, anyone who follows him would suffer. But every Christian has to deny self and take up their own cross. So how do we respond to the suffering we experience? Well, brothers and sisters, we need this morning to just keep going onwards, to keep going onwards. And to do so, we need the words of comfort, the words of reassurance which the Apostle Peter gives us as we lit listen to this letter written to first century believers who themselves were surrounded by trials and hostility because of their faith. So if you do have your Bibles open, if you look at the opening verses, we learn that this letter was written to a group of churches 
which are actually in modern-day Turkey. Now, these churches probably only had a handful of new believers in each of them. And Peter describes them as scattered throughout the Roman provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Capitia, Asia, and Bithynia. But who are these people? They're people who are described in verse 1 as God's elect. And they're described in verse 2 as chosen. Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Now, brothers and sisters, this was the early church and this is still the church today. If we are followers of Christ, we are God's elect. We're chosen by him. And did you also notice that little phrase that Peter addresses these people as strangers in this world or exiles as some other translations would have that verse because our homes here on earth are not our real homes. Our true and permanent home is with Jesus. The houses we may live in now, they're just temporary dwellings. Now many of these new believers uh, were facing real physical danger from unbelievers or dangers from Jews who just refused to accept that Jesus was the Christ. Yet God is saying here, I know who you are. I have my eye on you. You are not forgotten. I have chosen you. You are my elect by the work of the Holy Spirit to help you stay obedient to Jesus through the washing of his blood. Wow. Wow. What a God we have. What comfort to know that God knows us. He knows what we are going through. He knows the pressures from all around whenever we make a stand for Christ. Now perhaps because you're a Christian over the years, you've lost uh, some close friends by spending uh, more time with your newer Christian friends. Perhaps families continue to tell you that uh, they believe you're just wasting your time hanging around with all those rather strange people in church. Well, it is important, isn't it, that in those circumstances that we all know the certainty that being a Christian is worth it. At the end of the letter, after Peter has spoken throughout of God's great and true grace, he simply says to the people in chapter 5, stand firm in it. Stand firm in it. Embrace it with both arms. This cert a certain and wonderful Christian inheritance is en route, one that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept absolutely secure for you and me. One day we will receive this inheritance from God, yet while we have this reassurance, it can of course hurt while we wait, but our future is certain. It is an imperishable inheritance. There are, of course, many other things in life which are worth it in the end, even if it costs pain beforehand. Just ask 
uh, any mother to tell you about the nine months of pain and suffering, or ask any father about pain as he endures watching his wife in labour. But in the end, you have the joy, don't you? And you rejoice at that new life of that baby. In the same way, when it comes to training for some race, there is always plenty of pain beforehand to then get the gain of success in the end. Or think of those hours spent weeding and sowing, in, uh, which eventually lead to a wonderful-looking garden. Of course, one danger for us is that whilst we may want to comfort someone under pressure, there's that danger that we just speak well-meaning platitudes, which can just end up sounding like complete garbage to the sufferer. So we need instead to speak words which are full of God's truth and hope. Let us tell one another of the great promise here in 1 Peter. We must also ensure that these words of truth are said in the right manner. A patient can often be hurt, not by the bad news itself, but by the very way in which it's told to them. You need sometimes a good bedside manner when you speak the truth as Christians. So it's important that we learn directly from the Bible. And Peter here is trying to comfort Christians who face sufferings, who, as he says in verse 6, suffer grief in all kinds of trial. But he then goes on to say that these things might actually result in glories to follow. And that while you are going through these trials, we're, being, we're also being shielded by God's power, according to verse 5, until the coming of the salvation that awaits us at the end of our days. Meanwhile, it will hurt, there will be trials, but they may, need, they may actually be for our own good. Look at verse 7 again. Let me read that to you. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. It is often hard enduring pain, but here we're told that God uses suffering in the lives of ordinary Christians. Why? To strengthen us and to refine our faith. We can actually benefit from pain until we receive that gain. For today, do you realize just how rich you are in Christ? That inheritance is more glorious than anyone can imagine. Today, it may be tough going but we need to keep focused on the salvation that awaits us. This salvation of our souls is guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed by Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. That's what we remembered last Sunday, Easter Sunday. And now today we need, we need to keep going. We need to stand firm in our faith. Keep going, focused on Jesus Look at verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of 
your souls. Our glorious hope will be seen one day when Jesus returns in his glory. And Peter wants his readers to remember that the Christ of glory is the Christ of the cross. Jesus suffered first and then he entered into his glory and so must we. And Peter, as he wrote this letter, he too had learnt the lesson for himself, hadn't he? You see, when Jesus spoke of his betrayal, who was it? It was Peter who had protested, saying, never, Lord, never, Lord. In the Gospels, you've got the story of Peter uh, who had said, this must never happen to you. Peter himself, who had been the one who had declared, when Jesus asked, who am I? He had said, you're the Christ. Yet he resisted the very thought that Jesus must suffer. And when Jesus responded to Peter's uh, comment, he said, your response comes from Satan. In the night in the garden, on the night of Jesus' arrest, it was Peter also who had drawn the sword to rescue Jesus from suffering. But Jesus had to do that, didn't he? It was Peter also who had denied Christ. He said, I don't even know him. But after the resurrection, when Jesus came to the disciples, Peter was forgiven and Peter was restored. And on the very day of Jesus' resurrection, there's that story of uh, two disciples walking on the road of Emmaus, confused, dismayed, because Jesus had been crucified. But what comfort when Jesus joined them and he taught them from the Bible that the Christ must first suffer and then enter his glory. Well, please don't ever think you are alone when it comes to pain and suffering. Jesus understands. Jesus understands rejection from friends and family. Jesus understands physical pain. He was beaten. He was hung on a cross as a common criminal. He endured that cross of shame as he slowly died. He endured separation from his father as he took all our sin upon himself, suffering for his own people because God loves them. He loves us. He does and he wants us to be free from suffering in eternity, suffering the consequences of our sin. And now the ascended Christ sits at the right hand of his Father in heaven. There was much pain, but there is so much gain. Please never think that Jesus doesn't understand the pain you are going through. And though all of us, um, and through all of that, all that suffering, what does he bring us? He brings us salvation. Well, today, let us focus on the certain and guaranteed hope of the Christian. Now, for a moment, I want to speak about another great hope I have. So if we can have the slide, please. There we are. I've also got my newspaper here. So my newspaper, you see, in case you don't know, I'm a Norwich fan. And can you see where Norwich are in the league? This is the championship, right? And of course the paper says, champagne on ice, champagne on ice, Norwich City are almost there. Now I know there's another Norwich fan here who's probably also very, very pleased to see that table at the moment. There's also a Watford fan here who's very pleased to see the table. Now, it's not guaranteed that Norwich is going to go up. Apparently we just need two points mathematically to ensure that. But we could lose our last five games. Brentford, Swansea, Watford could win all their last games. 
And if they do, they might well overtake us. So this hope of mine is really just a wishful hope at the moment, isn't it? It's probably, probably quite a firm hope. You could say it's a firm hope. You could say there's no way they're going to blow it. But they could. It's not secure. It's not mathematically certain at the moment. You can turn that off now. It's only really of interest to a couple of us. But as a Christian, our inheritance, that's absolutely certain. It is secure that one day we will be with Jesus. It's guaranteed by his body broken, by his blood spilt on the cross and through his resurrection from the dead. Let us never, never forget this truth. It is an amazing uh, promise of hope today that through any pain now, we have such great gain awaiting us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Let us never forget this truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this great inheritance that awaits us. Thank you for that great, great hope we have. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for what Jesus went through for us, that pain, that suffering, all for us, all for us, so that in the end we do not have to endure an eternity without you. We don't have to suffer the consequences of our sin if we turn to Jesus Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The penalty of our sin has been paid. Help us to just focus on this inheritance, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Thank you for that. 